Hey, the start of something special right here, man. Let's go. Number one fantasy player right here. Got past the line. Shut up. Know the rules. I just want to say this to you. Right now, best in the game. I know. Hello and welcome in to the pod after touchdown fantasy football podcast. I am your host Sam Hoppin joined as always by my co-host Andrew Mackins and our producer Garner. We are one week away from NFL football. Dun 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 dun. Dun dun dun. dun. Fellas how are you doing this evening? I'm great, Sam, but I'd imagine not as great as you've been the past few days. We're not going to bury the lead here. Someone got engaged last weekend. Yes. Uh, Based on context clues, you can all figure out that I was fortunate enough to have the love of my life say yes to spending the rest of her life with me. Um, I haven't gotten a championship fantasy football ring in a while, but I, I ended up giving her a ring instead so it's a, a very happy time in in the hopping household we are excited to continue on this next journey of life together it's a crazy time man but i am happy that you guys have still been able to you know ha- enjoy this time together now as 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 uh someone last weekend said fiance and bay z so <laughs> i i you know was really happy and glad I could be there and you know cheers to you guys yeah I had a nice little celebration on Saturday which was fun um the past several months the questions have continued to be when are you proposing to Christina and now the question immediately switches to when is the wedding going to be so I'm just thrilled to keep hearing that question yeah and and I'm thrilled for any date as long as it's not on draft day so (laughs) Amen to that. Garner, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing pretty good. I think you guys pretty much covered everything that I was going to say here. I am stoked for football, and I am so happy and excited for you. And I'm ready to get into this episode. Good stuff. Well, thank you. Thanks to both of you. We are going to start with our kickoff question, do our mental health minute, cover a couple of training camp headlines and what they mean to us and then share a quick update on what our plans are for the NFL season in 2020. So without further ado, let's kick things off. And this game is underway. So for our kickoff question, it's going to be a a group of questions. We're doing a short mailbag. And the first question comes from Adam Hutchinson. And he wants to know is... Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley, Hayden Hurst, Matt Ryan, Russell Gage, the best and most realistic stack in 2020 redraft leagues. I'll answer first and say, I think it is. It's probably the most realistic. I mean, you look at the ADPs of all those guys and they're all going in very different rounds. I mean, Julio's a first, second round guy. Ridley's a third, fourth round guy. Hurst and Ryan are anywhere between the eighth in probably 11th round and then gauge you can really get with your last pick i think one of my other favorite stacks is with the rams so you've got woods or cup sometimes you can get both but it it is a little bit more difficult um you can throw higby in there and then obviously getting jared goff as well 
What say you guys? It's certainly the most robust stack. And I like that you could get, you know, Matt Ryan stacked up with any of those first three pass catching options and maybe Gage is like a bi-week fill-in um, if you need that for some for some upside during the season. Uh, Cowboys comes to mind as well in terms of getting some good value. You can go Dak and, you know, if you so choose Amari Cooper or you could go Dak and Gallup, Dak and CeeDee Lamb, even Dak and Blake Jarwin which is the most tight end name ever if we haven't brought that up uh, yet on this pod. Uh, and obviously Chiefs come up a lot because I think it's the you know the biggest top tier stack where you could go like uh, Mahomes with any one of Clyde the Glide, uh, Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, but you're definitely spending a pretty penny for that one. Yeah, the, the Chiefs one is tough, especially to get two of the pass catchers with in in Hill and Kelsey. I mean you could you could add Sammy Watkins or Hardman in the back end of the draft, but that is a, a rather difficult one to get. Garner, any of the one other ones that come to mind for you? Uh, another one I was thinking of and might not be quite as pretty overall, but was the Bucks. I mean mm-hmm. you'd have to spend a first rounder probably on Godwin, grab Evans in the second, but then you can wait a while for Gronk and Brady. And I mean you can fill up in running backs in between because then you got some uh, solid pass catchers there. Yeah, that's not a bad one. I I think I built a Buccaneer stack in a best ball mania lineup that I did recently. So let's move on to our second question. Uh, This comes from my now fiance. Uh, She noticed that I was tweeting up a storm the other morning. She basically wants to know what's the big deal with Leonard Fournette. Well, uh, obviously got cut by the Jacksonville Jaguars. We are recording this on Tuesday night. So he has, we're at the point where he has cleared waivers and has not been signed as a free agent yet. So he is, he is a free agent. Um, so guys, what are your reactions to this? Where do you think he lands? Uh, obviously this responses will likely become obsolete by the time this episode publishes, but give us your prediction now. Well, Sam, yeah, you mentioned why is he a big deal? And I think the first thing to say is he's a big deal because Leonard Fournette's a very big man. He's a very large man. If you've ever heard Matthew Barry say say anything about this, he is Matthew Barry, a tall person and Leonard Fournette towers over him. So he's a big guy. (laughs) It's a big deal. Um, And I'm going to stick with my hot take on this one. I have not uh, reposted it from our old episode yet, but I thought Leonard Fournette was going to get traded to the Chiefs uh, prior to the draft because they were looking, I think they were looking for another piece to help them, you know, continue that, you know, run game they have there. Now they've got Clyde Edwards Hilaire as a good, you know, go-to pass catching back, and they could use Leonard Fournette as a bruiser or a third and one guy. And, and I think that that would be a great fit in that offense. So if he got to the Chiefs, I don't think the rest of that hot take of him being an RB1 stands anymore because there'd be multiple backs in the offense. But I think he's a good complement to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Yeah, I think that's definitely a uh, – I mean, that'd be a very fun spot to watch him land. I was thinking two spots was either Washington because, I mean, they, they've they got Antonio Gibson now and AP and Love and 
it's just a mess. And I feel like they could try and be like, you know what, let's just settle on this guy. And plus it's Washington. So who the hell knows what's going on there? <laughs> the other with uh, the recent injury to David Montgomery, I could see the bears try and scavenge and bring him in. If again, they know more than we do. And David Montgomery's injury seems a little more serious or they're concerned about him. They bring him in. They have a new power back and still have Cohen there to catch everything and, sneak and run backwards and do all that fun stuff. Right. I think the moral of the story with Leonard Fournette is there's no place that he's going to go where his value is going to be higher than where it was with Jacksonville. I mean, he was the clear leap guy in that offense. Um, I I think I'm going to lean with him signing with the bears as well. And maybe the bears take it a little slower with Montgomery's, return back to the field. People forget that Montgomery was battling with Mike Davis at the beginning of last year. Huh. So there's a, <laughs> yeah, that's a, a little blast of the past. So I think, I, I just think it's, it's the move that the Bills will make. You've seen all the moves that they've made this off season. <laughs> so it's the most likely that the, it, that the dumb yeah. team will make the dumb decision. But I, I, I think the Washington football team would be another, interesting landing spot. It would take all those Antonio Gibson truthers and shove them into a hole with all the Leonard Fournette truthers. Um, But anyway, let's move on to our mental health minute. And this week I want to talk about, again, more athletes coming out to be an advocate for mental health awareness. And Kevin Love was on Pardon My Take this week, which is a podcast that we all love and adore. And he talked a little bit about becoming an advocate for mental health awareness, which is what we're trying to do with with our small platform and be able to, again, share some some stories and anecdotes that we have from our um, run-ins with mental health issues. And two years ago is when he started becoming an advocate. And and like I said, I always love seeing athletes come out to try and raise awareness for these issues because those guys and, and girls, they have a lot of sway in young people's mind, especially. And I think some people uh, think that because you're a millionaire sports athlete, that you don't have an excuse to deal with mental issues. And I just think that that's straight bullshit. Um, you can be in, in any situation and have the right to, to have, uh, to, to be dealing with mental health issues. Charles, Charles Barkley is the, the guy who I'm talking about specifically. And the other week he said, I don't think guys making millions of dollars should be worried just because they're stuck in a place where they can go fishing, play golf and play basketball to make millions of dollars that's not a dark place. And he was referring to Paul George, who said he was in a dark place. And I just think this is an egregiously incorrect statement to make. And I just want to remind everyone that nobody has the right to determine someone else's state of mind, not even yours. It's it's all about you and your situation and what you're going through. Everyone's dealing with, with something different and sometimes it's not in their control. So just a reminder, don't listen to those people. We talked about the voice in your head. Don't listen to the voice in your head as, as much as you can. Um, but yeah, just wanted to share that and bring it up because I, I think it was worth repeating. Yeah, no, I think that's great that you bring it up, Sam. I think 
people don't talk enough about the trade-off that comes with fame and fortune because right. once you're famous, you lose all, an God damn it. Anonymity. <laughs> you lose all an anonymity when you become famous. So I, and I think it's tough. I, I, not to make too much light of it, but the, there is an album in 2013 that DJ Khaled came out with titled suffering from success. <laughs> so it's definitely a real thing. And I haven't watched this yet, but I think that the Miss Americana documentary um, on Netflix, which is about Taylor Swift's life, I think dives into that a little bit and just like how she is treated in the media. People hang on her every word, but they're also sitting there ready to criticize her no matter what she like says or does. So that's something that, you know, most of us who aren't rich and famous, like have to go through on a regular basis. And, and, you know, the advent of being uh, on social media and online, like it's something that I think celebrities have to deal with tenfold and athletes especially. So I think it's worth bringing up and then and having a conversation around. Great stuff. Great stuff. Well, let's move into our training camp headlines. Obviously, we don't have a preseason this year because of the coronavirus. So all we really have to go off of are beat reporters sharing some headlines and, and things that they're seeing in camp from as much as they can can share. I know there are some teams that don't even want the beat reporters to share which uh, teams the players are running with, whether it's the first team or second team, stuff like that. So we're going to go around the horn quick and we're each going to share one or two of these headlines that we they've seen and share what they mean to us, what we think we can take away from it and what the relevance of it is. So Andrew, I'll pass it to you to get us kicked off. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Uh, the one that I picked out in particular has been buzzing for a while now, and today it reached a fever pitch with Tyrell Williams uh, announcing that he would be going under the knife, uh, getting surgery on a torn labrum, and that essentially makes him you know, on the injured reserve. He's out for the season, and so clearly the rookie Brian Edwards is going to take the league by storm, right? I mean, that that's the, the way people have been reading the tea leaves. That's the way the hype has been going. I have seen some cold water thrown on that immediately saying like, it's going to take time to work him in. Um, but I'm really curious with, with even the positive words that Derek Carr has said about Brian Edwards, comparing him to Devonte Adams, what we can expect from Brian Edwards this season and if it's worth like securing him on your roster now and just holding him until he finally does break out a la like OBJ type season. Yeah, people forget that Derek Carr played with Devontae Adams many, many moons ago. So it was it was kind of weird to see that quote, but it's it's crazy to me that people are just screaming Brian Edwards after this news and there is basically zero attention being paid to Henry Ruggs, who the Raiders drafted as the number one ride receiver in this draft. And maybe it's because we all expected him to have a role in this offense already, whether Williams was healthy or not. And I don't know, I'm not particularly um, familiar with the difference in profiles of 
Brian Edwards versus Henry Ruggs. I mean, I know Ruggs is a bit of a speedster and, and seen more as a downfield threat. So maybe Brian Edwards fits better into the role that Tyrell Williams was playing. But I, I think Edwards might get to a point where he is getting overdrafted for what we expect from him. Like you were saying, Andrew, it might take some time for him to adjust. And not that that, um, not that Ruggs is immune to that because they're both rookies, but I, I would rather bank on the guy that the Raiders invested a ton of draft capital into in 2020. I think that's fair. And I think some of the reason, like if we talk about why is this happening now or why, why was Brian Edwards, you know, from the draft in April, the NFL draft, why was he not drafted higher? Part of that was because of an injury that he had in college and by all measures, he's recovered from that. He profiles as an X type wide receiver. So I think that immediately thinks makes people think, okay, alpha, like could be, you know, maybe not this year, but down the road, like, so particularly for dynasty, one of the like top target getters on the team and could just dominate, but I want to see it first for sure. And maybe after he has one smash game, you invest a little bit extra because he's been talked about for long enough. Right. That's not a, that's not a bad idea. Um, the training camp headline that I that sort of stood out to me is one that actually came this week um, on the same day we're recording, actually. And it was a quote from John Harbaugh saying that Mark Ingram remains the starting running back for the Ravens, but that rookie J.K. Dobbins is probably going to have a quote-unquote significant role. Now, what we... You know, what a significant role is, is to be determined. But we know that the Ravens run the ball a ton. They want to run the ball a ton. Uh, Hayden Winks actually mentioned that the Ravens have the best rushing schedule in the NFL, which just seems Mm. unfair at this point. Uh, Maybe it's because they're playing the AFC North again, and they absolutely torched them last year on the ground. But Gus Edwards got some run for the Ravens at times throughout the season last year. Obviously, Mark Ingram is entering his, I believe, his year 30 or 31 season. He's getting older. He was dealing with injuries towards the end of last year. Ingram is currently being drafted about a round ahead of J.K. Dobbins. And I think after... Cam Akers, excuse me, after Jonathan Taylor, well, Claude Edwards-Hilaire, and Cam Akers, J.K. Dobbins is the next rookie running back. I think he's got an opportunity to see a decent role, maybe not a significant role, but sooner rather than later. And if we expect the Ravens to be in, in these positive game scripts, early on, then he might get an opportunity pretty quick here. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw him as a closer type because that helps keep Mark Ingram fresh. He kicks off like most of the early down work and early drives in a game, but you get to the fourth quarter and Dobbins starts to take over some of the work if they're, especially if they're up because it gives him, you know, some more wiggle room, a little less pressure, things like that. In close games, maybe they lean on Ingram because he's the vet. Um, until we see Dobbins just take over the role entirely uh, Mm -hmm. if he proves to just outperform Ingram. But I I like that you bring up Gus Edwards because 
you know, Gus Edwards, I think, was on the team for two years, and and they drafted Justice Hill last year, who we thought was going to be something. Evidently, he's been nothing. But Gus Edwards had like five yards per carry, or he has something like that on his career so far, which I think is a testament to that offense. So yeah. uh, definitely a great situation play there. Okay, Garner, what is your headline that you're paying attention to? Uh, I couldn't find the actual article or tweet about it, but you kind of alluded to it earlier. And it was the Packers training camp not letting all the beat reporters say who's running with what offense or like who's running first offense, second offense, whatever. They weren't allowed to say who's going with who. And I'm curious to hear your guys' opinion on what that does, primarily to Aaron Jones, who... Again, he was already, I feel like, falling a little bit because of Dylan coming in there. But then now all of a sudden they're not allowed to say if Jones is getting first reps or, again, maybe Dylan sneaking in there. Is that just to kind of simmer the hype of Dylan and be like, listen, you were just getting him reps? Or was that like kind of to, I guess, not surprise people, but be like, hey, we're actually working Dylan in here a lot? So I don't think that that level of um secrecy has as much impact on Aaron Jones as it does on like Jamal Williams and AJ Dillon because if we got a lot of news that AJ Dillon was taking first team or second team reps over Jamal Williams then we could sort of speculate that he for sure had the backup role behind Aaron Jones I think Aaron Jones specifically has gotten to a point in the draft where he was being drafted towards the end of the first round, early second round. He's now being taken closer to the end of the second round. And for me, that would be almost a dream start of having one of the top four running backs and Aaron Jones or someone of that caliber, because as much of the touchdown regression as we expect, he's still, he's still going to get a decent workload and could pay off that late second round ADP. Yeah, I think the biggest thing with the Packers backfield, and I think LaFleur is a smart coach. And I think the biggest thing is that like for NFL purposes, he doesn't want people knowing what type of packages these guys are rolling out in. Because I think that LaFleur has a plan with this backfield to use all of the guys in different scenarios, but you're not going to know exactly when that happens until they actually hit on the field. Like, I mean, everyone assumes that A.J. Dillon's going to be the short yardage, the goal line guy, and, and you might see him in some big packages, but you might also see Aaron Jones being used in the pass game more. I, th- I think when he dominated opportunity in the Packers offense last year, that's when he really shined, and there's no reason to step away from that. So if Matt LaFleur is a logical and competent coach, I think we can expect to see all these guys get some opportunity, but Aaron Jones still being the primary back who gets the most opportunity, both in the run game and the pass game. The passing game is clearly the area of the offense that we want to see Aaron Jones get more involved with. I mean, we saw that he got a a big boost in that when Devontae Adams was out last year. So it'll be interesting to see what his role is in that. Speaking of, running backs getting involved with the passing game. One guy that I've been keeping an eye on recently is Jarek McKinnon. He's gotten a bit of hype coming out of 49ers camp, and they have wide receivers going down left and right. It seems like they've always got someone who's getting injured. They've 
There have been some reports saying that Jarek McKinnon might be the best deep threat for the 49ers. There are things saying that he might split out wide. I think he is the best receiving back of the dozens of running backs that the 49ers have. But I I told myself I wasn't going to fall into the trap of drafting a 49ers running back at value. And now I'm grabbing Jarek McKinnon wherever I can in the double-digit rounds just because we see time and time again that those players have their boom weeks, and especially in best ball, if I can lock some of those up late in the draft, then I'm more than happy to. Would you take Jarek McKinnon over a pass-catching back like Chris Thompson in Jacksonville, Sam? Because... Obviously, we talked about Fournette at the front of this episode, um, and he's no longer in Jacksonville. And they've got a couple of Jags, no pun intended, but just the guys in, in Reichel Armstead and Divine Ozigbo. And then you've got Chris Thompson, who has familiarity with Jay Gruden, who's their new offensive coordinator. So I'm wondering which one you would pick in those late rounds. I would still probably go with McKinnon because of the upside that he has as much as the storylines around Jake Gruden being reunited with Chris Thompson. I think, uh, I don't know. I think McKinnon oddly enough has a better chance of staying healthy this season because he's just had (laughs) some freak injuries the past couple of years and that offense and team overall is going to be better. And as much of a passing down back, as Chris Thompson is, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw someone like LaVisca Chenault taking backfield snaps away from Chris Thompson. I mean, we don't know what uh, Raquel Armstead is going to be involved with. We just, we sort of know Jarek McKinnon's role. And I think I trust that offense to generate some boom weeks for a running back than the Jaguars offense. What about Jarek McKinnon versus Naeem Hines in the Colts offense? I'm still, yeah, it, the same philosophy holds for me there. I'm going to go with McKinnon. I think I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't fade Hines that much. I think Hines is a decent value later in drafts, mm-hmm. but straight up, I'm taking McKinnon over him again because he's in I think a better offense and. Hines is never going to see that work workhorse, um, me that workhorse sort of workload, I guess. And McKinnon has in any given week an opportunity to see that, despite Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman being there. So I just I'll, I'll lean McKinnon that way as well. Gotcha. Okay, so that does it for us for today. We just. Wanted to give a couple of our training camp takeaways. So as I mentioned earlier, wanted to talk quick about what our plan is for the season. So can plan on continuing to do weekly. We will be posting our episodes on Thursday each week. So you won't have to change your schedule in that regards. We, again, throughout the season, we're not going to be a waiver wire show. We're not going to go over all of the typical stuff that your, your major fantasy football podcasts are going over because I, I think a lot of that stuff gets a little bit diluted with everyone talking about the same things, but 
we are here for the people. We are obviously avid fantasy football players ourselves. So we're going to do our best to share our decision-making process for our own lineup decisions to help you with all of your decisions. Because again, we're in similar leagues to you. We're in these friends and family leagues that a lot of people are, are playing in and have to compete in. So hopefully can add a little mirth to that as well. We'll obviously be bringing back our DiGiorno delivery players of the week. Uh, next week, I think we're actually going to to bring that back and then we'll have it throughout the season. <laughs> if, you, if you are just tuning in uh, for the first time this offseason, you'll get a, a glimpse as to what that is. But A taste, look, if you will. A, t- a taste, yeah. That's a, a much better way of putting it. But we look forward to the 2020 season, which is right around the corner. Next week, we'll do our week one preview, which, oh man, it's Can't crazy believe it. that we're already here. It's already <laughs> September, but we are excited. We're, I think we're actually going to get football. We made it, boys. Time. We fucking we made, made it. it. We made it. <laughs> so for Andrew Mackins at Andrew Mackins, for Garner at Garnther, I am Sam Hoppin at Sam Hoppin. You can follow our podcast account at pod after td and with that the kick is good